Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success and the NAFI Global Coordinator and Chair of the NAFI Western Region Success Up Women's Conference that will be held April 29, 2016 in Menifee, California. Go to www.wrnafi for information on the conference as well as NAFI networks across the country. To learn more about me, go to www.robbymotter.com. I'm so blessed because each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I'm so privileged to bring you a dynamic guest. My guest, my guest today is Michael, Michael Overwitz, and he lives in New Jersey. I have never met him personally, but only through email when he wrote his first book and have been following his successes ever since. Let me tell you a little bit about him before I bring him on the air. Mike Kalowitz is an is the entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies and is the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, and what Business Week deemed the entrepreneur's cult classic, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which I read and is fabulous. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and regularly travels the globe as, as an entrepreneurial advocate. He launched $3 million companies before his 35th birthday. He was awarded the New Jersey's SBA Young Entrepreneur of the Year when he was only 26. He sold his first company to private equity and his second firm to a Fortune 500. And as I told you, he's the author of three books, and we'll maybe get a little glimpse of the, the next book that he's working for. Welcome. Uh, he, also, his books have been translated into over 10 different languages. Welcome, Mike, to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you. Um, I'm honored to be here, Robbie. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I was very excited to hear about your 600 Amazon review yesterday. Uh, on your book, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which is a fabulous book. Tell me about it. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think one definition of the success of a book is really how many reviews it gets. I I think a lot of people tout their best-selling authors and stuff like that, and uh, they may well be, but to me, the big credibility is what's the community saying, and... uh, you know, 600 reviews, by no means is this the most popular book of all time, but for me, that's a significant milestone. It's, it's not typical for most books. And it just lends to, I think, part of the success of, of The Toy Paper Entrepreneur is that it was embraced by early-stage entrepreneurs. You, you, you've been such a wonderful supporter, uh, along with thousands of other people. And uh, that sprung board into international translations. It's been translated now, I think, into 12 languages. I actually got another inquiry today uh, for a 13th translation. And uh, it, it became the foundation for my other books, The Pumpkin Plan and my most recent, which is Profit First, and another one in, in the works. But that book, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, has served as a foundation for me. Wow. So that's, you, as I said, you have, you've done three books. And how did you get the ideas for the books? Part of it came from that, but how how else did you get it all together? And how long did it take you to write them? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you how it came about. Was I, I never in, intended necessarily to be an author, um, as as you were so kind to share in the introduction. I uh, had some entrepreneurial endeavors and was able to sell my businesses. But one thing um, 
that happened to me, which is probably the most important but the most challenging time in my life, was after I sold my second company, it was acquired by a Fortune 500, uh, I had become a millionaire uh, in my 30s and uh, achieved the financial vision I had for myself and thought this was it. But one thing I didn't realize is I had no discipline over money and my ego was huge. I thought I was God's gift to entrepreneurship and started making mistakes and was spending good money after bad. I became an angel investor um, and I was horrible at it. I, I just didn't have an appreciation or understanding for, for business. Uh, like I thought I did and I definitely didn't have an understanding for money. And uh, I lost everything. I mean, every single penny I lost. And so it's funny. I, I read a lot of books about making a business, growing a business, making money. Uh, but I'm really skilled at, <laughs> at losing money. And um, <laughs> I uh, I started writing a journal about my experience, um, not because uh, I enjoyed writing, but a friend of mine suggested when you uh, go through a challenging period, um, it's a very therapeutic process. Just just start writing. You're th- not your goals and aspirations, but just your thoughts in the moment. And I noticed as I was writing that journal, some of the stuff I was writing, I was challenging my beliefs. I was challenging the standard kind of axioms that exist in business. And um, I said, wow, this this stuff can lend itself to books. And so all those elements, I still have the journals I wrote. I still actually take notes regularly and, and share my thoughts with myself and paper. All those books were seedlings I'm sorry, all those thoughts were seedlings for books. And that's how they came about. And, and then in regards to time, you know, when I diligently write a book now, maybe I can get it done in a year, a year and a half. Um, I'm I'm not a efficient writer. Um, I, I write just for the garbage can for some degree and write again and again and again and keep working on it. Um, but the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur took me four years. Uh, the Pumpkin Plan took me two years. Profit First took me just under two years. And my newest book is taking me about two years also. You know, the one thing I like about the way you write, you make it so understandable for people who read the book. You know, and, mm. and you share such great information that they can take some of it and immediately put it to use. Was that your plan in writing the books? or? Yeah. It, and first of all, I'm thrilled you noticed that. Um, that was my plan. I I did a couple things. When I first um, started working on my books, I studied the books I was reading, uh, other books. I really enjoyed reading, but I wanted to get a sense for how authors wrote, and I wanted to ensure that my book would be different, that I would speak um, uh, in my own tone, but a unique tone. So that was one thing. But I also wrote the the rules. I call them immutable laws, but I I wrote down the rules or the guidelines that I would build my books around. So when I wrote uh, wrote The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, I said, uh, this book, I want it to feel like it's my arm over your shoulder, that we're we're together enjoying a glass of wine or a beer, and we're discussing business. I I told myself I wanted to be very actionable and very real. I said I, I wanted to use the language that gets used that I hear people use. So simple, sometimes aggressive, lots of laughter. I wanted that feeling to be there. And um, that's that's what the books played out. It's also interesting as I look back now to um, the Toy Paper Entrepreneur is a very edgy book. And uh, it was just a stage I was going through in my life too. I had just gone through losing all my money and, and was 
we still had this a little bit of arrogance, but this realization there's something bigger out there. And then when I wrote the pumpkin plan, uh, a lot of that bite kind of started to fade away. And uh, while all of them are authentically me, I think the books are also reflective of the stages of life I was going through as I was writing them. Hmm. You have a new book coming out. When will it be out, and how will people be able to get on the list to receive the notice that so they won't miss it? Because each one of your books yeah. are very unique. This book is – I'm really excited about this one. Um, the tentative title is Surge. Actually, I'm, I'm confident that's the title now. Uh, I just went through the final review of it, and, and it, it works. It's going to come out uh, – end of Q1 or early Q2 of 2016. So uh, like March or April of 2016. And uh, if you want to get on the list, um, it's what I do is for, for people that are on the list, by the way, they get some juicy stuff. You can, you, of course, you can go to Amazon and buy it there or, or wherever your favorite bookstore is. But um, if you get on the list, I often have a lot of freebies and, and atypical stuff I share. So to do that, People could go to my website, which is MikeMichalowitz.com. It's a it's a doozy to spell. There's a shortcut. If you go to Google and you type in Mike M I K E and then Mick M I C Mike Mick, it will pull up Mike Michalowicz, the longest name you see listed there. Click on my name. It'll bring it to my website. Uh, it, a pop up will appear to sign up for my my tips and, and book announcements. And uh, and if you sign up there. You'll you'll get the inside scoop of when it's coming out and get some extra bonus stuff too. I remember when you were doing the toilet paper entrepreneur, you always came out with little thoughts and questions and let people respond to it because I used to have fun doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, every book launch I like to to introduce something new and unique. Um, Surge, I may be doing some Periscope presentations, which are are live presentations, but people can comment as I'm doing it, and I can adjust the presentation, um, or some stuff over the web. Um, one thing I did with my most recent book, with Profit First, that people have fallen in love with, and I'm going to repeat again in Surge, is you know I on the audio versions I read my own books. Um, so if anyone, by the way, listening in is an author or aspiring to be an author, if you do an audio version, here's a big tip for you. Read your own books. It's so fascinating that my readers have gotten back to me saying, I love uh, your book, but you, ha- you had a professional voice. It kind of watered it down. The professional voice sounded good, but they didn't get the intonations and the inflections. So read your own book. So I've done that since day one. Um, and one thing I did in Profit First, my most recent book, is I'd be reading from the book, and then I'd pause and share a thought of why I wrote a certain sentence or why I wrote certain things, kind of giving an inside scoop or bonus material around why I wrote what I wrote. And that has proven to be uh, very, very successful. So I'll be doing that again in Surge. Well, that's great. I like the name Surge. It's sort of exciting, so I'm looking forward to being able to read that when it comes out. Oh, thank you. You are an active partner in multiple uh, companies. Tell me about them, and how do you have time to do it all? Do all that you do? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what I'm involved in, and I'll tell you the secret to, to getting things done. Um, I, ju- I literally just got back uh, yesterday from St. Louis. I'm in New Jersey now, but uh, I, I'm a co-owner and a manufacturer in St. Louis, and I was out there for a few days working with the company and, and making some hiring decisions and stuff like that. 
Um, and then uh, a couple other businesses I have is uh, I have a um, consulting, not a consulting, it's an organization of accountants and bookkeepers who are leveraging Profit First, the book I wrote, to help their clients become more profitable. So we have a, a small but very quickly growing organization of about 110 members as of today of these accountants and bookkeepers that are using Profit First and going to different clients globally. So I'm, I'm actively involved in that. And then my other business, of course, is my speaking and, and book writing. And, and that truly is a business. as a full-time endeavor. Um, you know, so the question, of course, is how do you find time to do it all? And the thing is, you know, everyone has the same amount of time. I don't have any more time uh, than anyone else. But I don't think many of us realize, truly realize, the necessity to work with other people. I think, at least this is my default, belief, at least it was initially, it was when I was building a business, it was about hard work, less about smart work. I would do everything. I'd work through the night. I would just do everything to grow the business. But I realized I'm capped out on me. And that's a real roadblock. I mean, I'm sick for a day. I'm not working. It's 100% loss in productivity because I'm the only person there. If I'm tired and just want to sit back and, and have a glass of wine and watch TV, I can't. I'm losing money. But what I realized is that if I hired people and trained them in a process, and process was repeatable, meaning I was delivering kind of a similar thing over and over again, but then if I wanted to sit back uh, and watch some television, so other people on the team uh, at that period want to be working. They want to be getting paid. Uh, and as the business grew, if I had 100 people uh, working for me, well, I could do theoretically 100 times the volume of work. So it was kind of this realization. And I always kind of figuratively knew it, but I never knew it viscerally. And then one day it kind of clicked. So <clears throat> all these businesses have great leaders and great employees for them. The, the manufacturing business, I don't, I, I don't make a single thing, but the company produces thousands of products every year. Um, you know, at my Profit First Professionals, that's the organization of accountants and bookkeepers, every single day we bring on Literally every single day, there's a new member now coming on board and needs to be deeply trained in this process to really master it. And I don't do any of that. I do none of the training. Our people, our, our team does it here. So I really, it looks like, you know, people that face, face value say, God, Mike, you do so much. How do you do so much? I want to be able to do so much. Well, you can, and the key is not to do so much. It's to hire smartly, uh, build systems, focus on doing things repeatedly, and uh you too can can impact the you know business in a big way. That's great advice. Um, I know you do a lot of speaking. How can um, people find out your topics, or do you tailor them? And how can they connect with you to book you to be one of their speakers? Because I know it would be fabulous to have you as a speaker. Oh yeah, I love speaking. Yeah, that that that's the one thing I never <laughs> never assign out. I do all my own speaking engagements and uh, have a blast. I, I travel over. I was just down in Mexico. I took a tour of uh, the Yucatan Peninsula area and did speaking down there. I'm going um, to uh, uh, Quebec City in Canada and then traveling all throughout the United States and Hawaii all within the next like three, four weeks. Um, this is where I focus my efforts. Now, what I speak about is usually derivatives of my books. Profit First is my most popular speech because that's my most popular book uh, of all my books. And I've been blessed. That I've, I've had... You know, very popular books. I've been very lucky, but Profit First, I think, is the game changer um, because it's a whole new perspective on what profitability is and how to get there. 
So that's my most popular speech. But I also speak on how to grow a business organically and healthily. Um, I speak about behavioral marketing, something I haven't written about, but I, I am working on this book, about how we can influence and persuade others in a good way to achieve things that they want but are resistant to. So many of us want things, but we don't do it because we're so comfortable with doing what we're familiar with. And even though the alternatives or what we want is maybe better for us, we still don't do it because we're comfortable with where we are right now, uh, even if it's not good, at least it's familiar. So I'm writing a book uh, about that, but I speak actively about how to persuade people and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, for booking me, I used to have an agency uh, and uh, bureaus and found that they're really not necessarily, for a guy like me, good. They, they, they jack up the rate of a speaker. You know, they have to make their money too, and I get it, but they don't bring much value to the table, and, and they were increasing my rates. So uh, I decided to go with solo. I have an in-house person. Her name's Lee Hayes. She manages my um, all my speaking engagements and so forth. It affords a reduced, the direct rate to to clients, and now they can access me directly too. So if they go to the same website, MikeMcCallowitz.com, and uh, there's an option there speaking, you say hire Mike to speak. Uh, Lee gets right back to you, and, and we sort it out, and we make sure that it, we're within budget and, and having the effect you know you want to have. Um, and that's a real joy for me. I, for me. I wouldn't admit this uh, publicly, but it sounds like I am because we're on the radio. <laughs> I uh, I would almost do it for free. I, I get that much enjoyment out of it because of, of how important and impactful it is. Uh, I've been blessed that I have enough speaking engagements coming in now that I don't have to do it for free. Uh, there's enough demand, but I do get so much joy out of it. Um, I think it's one of the most important things I do. Do you ever get uh, get out to California? If you do, you need, Southern California, you need to give me a call when you're here. You got a deal. You got a okay. deal. Yeah, I get out to California at least four or five times a year, mostly to the L.A. area. Um, well, that, yeah, I'm not I don't know how far south have, you are. We have 18 NAFI networks in California. In oh, okay. Um, do, I would love, do you have time, to, love to do that. I'm sorry. Do you have time for hobbies and fun? And if so, what are they? <clears throat> yeah, um, I do. Um, I have one personal hobby. And is playing guitar. Um, that the beautiful thing about playing guitar is there's one always next to me. There's actually one sitting right next to me now. I can pick it up at any time, just play around with it. Um, but my real joy and fun time is spending time with my family, so my wife and my children, and uh, I guess spend a lot of time with them. I did a couple strategic things. I, I came to realize that I really like work. I really like the work I do. It's truly a passion of mine. So I'm having fun. I'm having fun right now. I'm having fun doing like the stuff I do, but I also realized I really enjoy time with my family. So uh, I've integrated work and family. Um, I uh, I travel when I travel to different venues. My wife uh, comes along. Uh, so I just spoke in Mexico, uh, and she traveled with me. And so it's it ends up being work and pleasure at the same time. Um, there's other trips. I went to North Dakota in the winter. She decided not to go <laughs> because it was a little <laughs> bit chilly. Uh, <laughs> but she travels with me, and uh, my youngest son works in my business with me now, and um, uh, I see my children very regularly. So that, that's my true passion is, is being with my family, and I found that it's not, for me, necessarily work-life balance, switching between. Sometimes it's work-life integration. That sounds great. You have a birthday coming up soon. 
Uh, well, you know, uh, well, maybe soon. Depends. What you, I do have one coming up next year, but it's not until uh, September. Um, okay. I just celebrated a birthday, I guess, three months ago. Oh, um, yeah, I guess that's what so. it was, that you just recently had one. So how? Yeah, I recently had a birthday. If they wanted to email you or contact you, what is the contact information? So the you know kind of all re, all loads uh, roads lead to Rome here. MikeMcCallowitz dot com is my website, um, and the best best way to contact me, and the easiest way to contact me is go to MikeMcCallowitz dot com, go to the contact page. Uh, I am very active in my I blog every day, very active in there. Uh, if you have questions about business or something, please do comment on the blog. I love to talk to you there. Uh, you can email me. The problem is I get literally now over three or 400 emails a day. So that's become a whole management system. Uh, and I don't get to necessarily personally look at each email. I try to reply to each email that's intended directly for me, but sometimes it can take months. So uh, the blog is the best way to get hold of me for sure. Or you can always call the office too. The information's up there, and my assistant Christina uh, will gladly help uh, put us together. Why don't you spell your last name for them? Sure. So first name's easy, M-I-K-E. Last name's Michalowicz. M-I-C-H-A-L-O-W-I-C-Z. So what else would you like to leave with our listeners? Tips or thoughts? Yeah. You know, I love to share a couple tips and thoughts from from my books, maybe one from each. Uh, Because, you know, a lot of times I get asked down, Mike, you know, what's the most important takeaway from the pumpkin plan? What's the most important takeaway from... Uh, this way, paper entrepreneur. So, so I'll start in reverse order. Profit first. What I realized is that entrepreneurs, individuals, that we have kind of been lied to, and that's a strong word to say, but we've been lied to. And what we've been lied about is that profit comes last. And we, we all use a formula of sales, real revenue, minus expenses. You know, expenses we incur results in the remainder, which is profit. Now, the reason I say it's a lie is that. It's while logically it makes sense, it doesn't tie into the human propensity or the way we naturally behave. Because when we put things last, they usually get ignored. So sales minus expenses doesn't equal profit. Most businesses aren't profitable. And the reason is because we put profit last. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're sick, do you say, I'm now going to finally put my health last? No. We say I'm going to put my health first. And that's why I argue in profit first, is if we put our profit first, uh, it will be taken care of automatically. It won't happen at the year end when we look at our numbers and pray that maybe this year we made some money. So in profit first, here's the simple principle. Every time you take a deposit for your business, every time revenue comes in, immediately, step one is to take a predetermined percentage, 5%, 10%, maybe 15%, and allocate it toward profit. Tuck it away Get out of sight, out of mind, but reserve that profit for yourself first. Then and only then do you run the business. And by doing this one simple thing, pay yourself first is the principle. By doing the pay yourself first principle in your business, your business is guaranteed to be more profitable. It will give you a whole new perspective on how to run your business more profitably. So that's the big takeaway from profit first. The the pumpkin plan is this realization that so many businesses are struggling to grow, and I noticed there's one consistency that, kind of, consistency that threw me off. Many businesses have one marquee client, one client, maybe two they can think of right away. That's, when I say marquee, is their best client. They love doing business with them. They generate a lot of revenue. But 
only one or maybe two of those, and they have many, many, many clients that they don't necessarily like. They don't pay well. Maybe the client doesn't pay at all. The client complains a lot. So there's a lot of anchor anchoring clients, not anchoring as in a negative way. They're holding back the business, and there's one great client. And I said, what's, what's the problem here? How come our businesses aren't reversed? How come we don't have many great clients, maybe just one or two bad ones, sneak past the goaltender? Well, I studied pumpkin farming, of all things, just by coincidence, and discovered they have the answer. And it's colossal pumpkin farmers. And what they do when they grow a colossal pumpkin, as little pumpkins grow on the vine, they actually immediately cut and remove little pumpkins because they know little pumpkins are distracting from the great pumpkin. They take the water, the nutrients, the time, the attention of the farmer. Well, this analogy parallels into business in that we need, if you want to grow your business, you need to focus on your best client and clone them. Do everything to attract clients like them, but it requires a discipline of actually removing the weak clients because we spend all of our time, all of our energy, all of our efforts are spread out throughout our business. Everything available from us is consumed but by these little pumpkins. So have the discipline of removing little pumpkins, and I share how to do that in the pumpkin plan, but remove the little pumpkins and concentrate on the big one, and that will cause massive growth. And then my last, uh, my most, the earliest book is The, the Toy Paper Entrepreneur. I, I also found another kind of interesting phenomena. Many entrepreneurs think to grow that they need a big moment. I need an investor perhaps to come in and give me a big amount of money, or I need that one big client to come in so I can get that one big project that will finally make my business go. And there's this constant waiting for that big moment. But then I studied successful businesses and found almost none of them, practically none of them had a big moment. It was a lot of small wins, particularly when they had no resources, no contacts, no nothing to actually pull off this growth. It was what I found was the lack of resources, the lack of contacts, the lack of money that caused the growth because it forced innovation. It forced them to look at their business in a new perspective. So the toy paper entrepreneur, that's a big takeaway. Leverage, if, if your business is early stage and you want to grow, don't look at the lack of money and the lack of resources as a negative. Look that, at that as your biggest asset. Figure out how the lack of money, contacts, all those things is your ally and your asset, and it'll facilitate growth. And in Toy Paper Entrepreneur, I go through you know, example after example of why the lack of things is actually your biggest biggest benefit. And that's, that's the big and, takeaways. And do you have a, a, just an insight of what the takeaway is going to be on your new book? Yeah, sure. So Surge, um, I was studying market markets and businesses that grew explosively, and I found the biggest kind of component of growth for a business that people don't talk about is how the business positioned itself in front of market demand. And what I mean by this is industries constantly change. Uh, Customers, not on a whim, but in mass will start changing slowly and then faster and faster. And then soon it looks like it's on a whim very quickly to a new thing. Um, if, if you look at your phone that you have right now, I, I don't know what phone you have, but I suspect you don't have a flip phone in front of you. Chances are you have a smartphone in front of you. But this exact same radio show, if we did this six, seven years ago, in your, all of our hands would be a flip phone. And before that, you know, five, six, seven years before that would be the early you know, adopters of the cell phone. Before that, it would have been uh, a wireless phone at the house. 
there's these shifts in market demand, and they are predictable when they're imminent, meaning when they're about to happen or in progress, the, we, we can see what's going. There's an opportunity here because first there's the early adopters, and then there's this massive surge of demand. And if we position ourselves properly in front of the early adopters in any market, and this isn't just cell phones. This is in the micro-small markets. It's happening in the accounting space right now that I'm serving. It happens everywhere. If we position ourselves just in front of it, then the biggest asset is not the marketing we do, even the product we offer. It's that the market needs what we have, and the market carries us. It, it gives us so much momentum in our business and requires the least effort. So surge is all about positioning yourself in front of the surge of demand, and that will carry your business to the degrees of success you could have never done without it. Excuse me. Great tips. Mike, I'm so happy you could be a guest on my show. I can't believe we're at the end of the show. Uh, everyone, you've been listening to Mike Michalowicz, and he is an author, entrepreneur, and just an incredible person. So check out his website. And thank you so much, Mike, for being here today. I really appreciated having you as Mike. It's been a joy. And I owe you uh, a visit out there in California next time I come out that way. Anytime. Just give me a buzz. You got it. All right. Thanks again. And give your family my best. Bye-bye. Bye. I will.